And if they're at all happy where they are and what they've become, from selling out to doubling down, let's talk punk rock business and what happens when the two get all mixed up. Here is your host, Bill Florio. Hey, this is Bill Florio. This is MC Charlie Boswell. Hey, it's Dave Harrison. Hey, it's Jesse Cannon. All right. This is, we're calling this our New Year's special. We're going to take questions from <laughs> we the just audience. It was a holiday, holiday special. special. <laughs> oh, damn it. Well... Holiday, happy holidays, everybody! Merry Christmas! Mm. Merry Christmas! I'm I'm at war on Christmas. I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should actually, you know, I, I keep thinking about this. We should start saying really offensive, outlandish things to get Jesse in trouble with his other podcast. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. I like this. I like this a lot. Because someone's gonna dig it up. I guarantee you, there's at least one person listening to try and find dirt on the new abnormal people. And if we uh, if we start telling really embarrassing stories about Jesse and making him comment on things that are uh, incredibly uncouth, I think we could uh, we could get some new fans. I'll just do them the favor already. Google the bad leftover crack. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, I'm fired enough. now. I think you did it. You did it. I think you did it. Yeah. What's it called? World Trade? Fuck World Trade. Uh, world, fuck World Trade. The song's about shooting the kids at school and killing cops. You know, it goes over well. Yeah. Especially since people don't know what being a provocateur means. So, Jesse, do you think people don't know your background or they just, like, I'm always a little bit afraid about this. And I, and I think this is something I'd love to hear from everyone on. Like, I'm always afraid if I got too good at something that someone would kind of dig into my past and find, like, not that I think there's anything crazy bad there, but there's definitely some things that like I'd have to explain like bad song lyrics or like, you know, stupid decisions I made when I was 19. I haven't done much where my name is the capital letters on things. So I can, you know, kind of take the plea of that artist vision. I don't pay attention to the lyrics, whatever it is, which basically this is making me so I don't have a defense, but whatever. We can cut this. <laughs> There's also this thing that, you know, a lot of people now are discussing platforms. And it's like, you know, do I think people should be deplatformed for any of the things I've done? No. I mean, honestly, I've turned sent back money numerous times when there's been like really racist things that have been sent to me. Yeah. I mean, I I think, Bill, what do you, you know, is there anything that you, you ever worry about someone at work being like, oh, wow, you know, I found this album you were on or, or anything like that? I feel like I was, was kind of a troublemaker, but the amount of back end story you need to understand the joke I was making that might have been inappropriate seems like a, a big barrier to go over. So it, like, <laughs> you, you know, know a like, lot about oh, oh my God, look, yeah, look what Bill did <laughs> in 1993. Let, do you have an hour so I can explain to you how it's like embarrassing to him? So, <laughs> I, I don't it's know. too esoteric. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Are you and Charlie worried that uh, baby is gendered? <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, do you have an opinion? <laughs> 
Wait, is Charlie still here? Doesn't seem like it. Oh, God. He's there I, at the beginning. Uh, there goes my question about cultural appropriation and bug out society. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Let's jump into questions. So uh, just so everyone knows, and we asked the people who've been listening for a whole bunch of questions and uh, they obliged. Uh, first one is a pretty basic one. What's our favorite moment so far? <laughs> my my favorite moment was when Bill asked me if I needed special insurance to dive with my, drive with my foot out the window like a cousin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's really good. And then the guest yelled at us for that. It was like, it's illegal. <laughs> it's not illegal in Bensonhurst. No. Okay. What about the jurisdiction of Bensonhurst makes it acceptable? It's the way it is. Yeah, that the cuisines control Bensonhurst. At least they used to. <laughs> <laughs> how did I, I, how have I lived in this region my whole life and not heard this word? Did you ever drive under the L in Bensonhurst? Back in like the 80s? I've actually definitely done that, actually. You've done that and you've never seen the cousines? Well, maybe. Wait, wait, let me take that well, back. Let's also say that. Did let's you, also ever, jump the, did you ever jump through the Guardian of Forever, go back to the 80s, and drive down the. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. And that's your problem. I, I, I was 12 at the end of the 80s. Let's, let's remember. <laughs> I see 12 year old cousines. Okay, that's true. Okay. I did. I have to. And then the first time I went to CBGB's, I saw 12 year old skinheads with New York skins written on the side of their head. Mm-hmm. Bill, favorite moment so far? Skip me. What's your favorite, Dave? Uh, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. I don't know if I have a singular moment. I don't know if there's like one moment where I'm like, this is this has been my favorite so far. I think I'm always a little relieved when we get through an episode and like, I'm always waiting for that moment where the guest is like taking taking their mic down and being like, fuck this, <laughs> you bunch of amateurs, this is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite moment is when we say goodbye and then they, they're willing to talk to us afterwards and send us photos. Uh, ironically, I don't have that fear on this podcast yet. I fear that... Uh, the political what I do all the time that they're just going to be like what the fuck maybe it's all downhill from here but people haven't even heard uh, how uh, rude Artie Philly was when we taped a test episode with him but I, I think that that was my favorite thing of how insulting he would be when we had not even started yet <laughs> I think we insulted him more than he insulted us this is true well, not at the beginning as it should though. be as it should be as, <laughs> as it should be exactly see I think I feel like people like Artie there's that level of understanding as to what we can say and what we can't say. I think the scariest moment for me was someone like Penelope, who none of us knew at all, you know, Penelope Houston, where there was that moment where we were like, what's this going to be like? We don't know what her personality's like at all. We don't know whether she's going to think we're a bunch of amateurs or whatnot. So, and like, that's I think- why Bill cut my mic off. <laughs> <laughs> I think you cut yourself off after the cookie question. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. The cookie questions were good. <laughs> my, my favorite... I actually really enjoyed those. My favorite moment of today is when Bill said we can't have uh, British television playing in the background. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have one. Hold on. I, there was a moment of the Chicken John podcast where we realized we all really liked Chicken John. I always liked Chicken John. I reject... I, not, uh, all, not all of us I resent were that coming implication. in thinking that. I resent that implication. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he when that was the best lineup of Iron Prostate when Chicken John was in it. That's probably true. I have bias to all people involved with Burning Man, so he did take some winning over. That's understandable. <laughs> 
that's understandable. I do feel like I understand Chicken John and George Tab's relationship a lot better now because mm. now I see them. I see John poking like the the wound of Iron Prostate to him on the internet all the time, and she's like it's happened like five times since that episode aired, where like he'll post something about Iron Prostate and he'll like jab at George or whatever, and it, it's everything you thought it would be, and 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 that's it's just another indication to me of how love him or hate him, at least you know what you're getting with Chicken John, and I loved going through even after the interview, going through all of the things that he referenced. Like there's a, you know, the I hate Chicken John sucks or whatever it was Facebook group. There's five people on it and it's not active anymore. And five and of ridiculous. The, and, and four of them are George Tabs. <laughs> I'm actually, you know what? Four of them are probably Chicken John. You know, like but it's like it's <laughs> and like one, and one of them is George Tab. Yeah, one of them is George Tab. <laughs> yeah, I gotta be really good. Yeah, is an imitation. Who's this? Iron prostate. <laughs> Bill, do you know who that is? It's it's uh, uh, OPEC Sid. Right. <laughs> Nobody knows what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> I, I unless you went to empty shows at the Continental in the nineties. That's what I actually was wondering that too. Like that's another thing that I was wondering if we were going to get a question from a guest that from a fan or a listener. I shouldn't say a fan. I don't know if anyone's fans of the show, but they're definitely <laughs> listening to it. There's got to be a lot of people, especially the people that Bill works with or people that I work with, that don't get half the references to some of the bands and some of the places in time and all the stuff that we we reference but i think i think that's a an endearing kind of thing too i hope i hope at least and i'm wondering if like if that's something that at some point we're just gonna we're just gonna get someone being like i don't know what the fuck they're talking about who the fuck is sam mcfeeders who the fuck is you know i wish uh, people would say that (laughs) (laughs) instead you go into barnes and noble and you have to see his book staring you in the face I, I, I literally it's, was just telling the story. I bought it at Rough Trade the other day. Was it signed? <laughs> I just, I, you want to hear a really sad fact about me? I probably spent $70, let's say, buying used copies of Dear Jesus when I was a kid at Sea Here and on wow. eBay. <laughs> I loved that zine and I really wanted to keep reading all of them. But I was not around for that since I'm, uh, like I said, I was 12 at the end of the 80s. So let's go back to the first question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> things, Embarrassing things, things you don't want to know. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Lots of very obscene photos in there. I mean, I think as far as making references to, to things that are like in jokes and things like that, I mean, that's pretty consistent with everything all of us have probably done our yep. whole life. So. You just got to live with that. We put the links up to almost everything. If you really want to know which particular scene from our gang Charlie is referencing, (laughs) I can find most of them on YouTube. I will say as a point of compliment that as somebody who studies podcasts the way I do, what you do with uh, the links, Bill, is more thorough than any podcast on the planet. And I think most people don't even see them. I mean, we've had a couple people on on social media that have said like, oh my God, I finally found, I I finally saw the links that you guys post for each episode with like basically the Cliff's Notes and like the... It's like it's like a Cliff's Notes meets the the bibliography of every episode. So if we do make a reference, it's usually there. I couldn't believe Bill found the link to my press release to Ben Benaki without me giving it to him. <laughs> <laughs> that, that blew my mind. I found it. Uh, I, don't know. I gotta read that. Charlie, did you pay to put that on the wire? <laughs> yes, I did. That's that's not cheap. No, but worth it. That guy yeah. picked up a lot of places. <laughs> Bad respect for that, Charlie. Damn. Yeah. All right. So, uh, second question is actually a Jesse question. Uh oh. Uh oh. It says Jesse mentioned not listening to anything recorded before the first Ramones album. 
Do you still love the first Ramones album, and would you like it better if it was recorded on Pro Tools? That would be awful. Uh, awful. The whole reason I appreciate music, and this is really one of the main through lines of music I enjoy, is that I like things that I don't want to fix anything when I'm listening. And yes, I still love – back when we used to go, still go to bars, if a Ramones song came on, I would still be excited. Especially if I – it's been a bar where I've been having to hear some sweet home Alabama or some obscure classic rock bullshit. Totally awful. So there's a follow-up question on this. If you could <laughs> re-record one classic album – to modern standards, what would it be? Second class records, terrible sounding record. So give them enough rope, you would you would redo. Terrible recording has bad performances of great songs. You, you know what I heard? That the first time they heard I Fought the Law was on a jukebox when they were uh, recording that record. Huh, I could see it. So it may have been a bad recording studio, but it had a good jukebox. <laughs> I, got, I got to aim for that for our next recording. Are we, are we doing producer questions now? Because I got a question for Jesse. Okay, okay. Go for it. Go, go. Did you ever, when you used to have hair, did you ever have a situation where a bunch of people broke the vacuum tubes and your hair popped up in the air? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was a much of a shedder until I had started shaving my head, so I don't think this was a problem. You know, I, I had already started shaving it when it was like falling out everywhere. Well, I could say that was wise to do that before you became a producer then. <laughs> <laughs> How many how many R gang links are going to be in this particular <laughs> podcast? <laughs> so next question, and I think this is a good opportunity. Someone wanted to know who else is involved with the podcast besides Bill, Dave, Charlie, and Jesse. Now I know Jesse, you've gotten more. There's been a couple episodes where you've you know been on the intro and you've talked on it. You don't always talk on the on the podcast, but um, but you know I know you have some people behind the scenes that are kind of helping you with the podcast as well. Brian DeMeglio, who works with me, who I think actually submitted a question for this episode that was very good. He did. He does the first edit before I do the second edit and do the thing. But since you know my time is very valuable. Brian does the very, very important work of the first pass on this podcast to make sure all of uh, Charlie's beeps from the microwave are left in. <laughs> does he give you notes? Is he like, this yes. one's a good one or this yeah, one yes, sucks? Yeah. Or? Yes, and that actually does happen. Yes. <laughs> It's like Charlie was really on for this one, or oh yeah, yeah, this you're not gonna have fun with this one. They're usually just audio quality based. Okay, who does he have the most problems with? It's usually compliments. That's good. Yeah, he follows up. <laughs> and trust me when I say there, there's a podcast or two that we do in our production house that uh, do not get compliments. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thankfully produce enough of them that people wouldn't easily be able to figure this out. Well, how many podcasts do you produce? About to be ten in January. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Part of an empire. That knocks us out of the top 10 then, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Bill, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the people that have, that have helped us out with art and the music and whatnot? A whole a whole bunch of people. Uh, Paul from Moto let us use Hate My Fucking Job as the theme song. Chuck Luce did the art for our logo. Amazing, amazing work. Yeah, a lot of people have just been helpful, like just getting us ideas and connecting us with people. So like Luis from Pansy Division texted Penelope for us. Um, Reverend Hank has been like throwing a lot of stuff around. Norb you did know, the s- intro. Yeah, Norb did the intro. So so like, That's a lot yeah, of I reverence. feel like, yeah, a lot of reverence involved. <laughs> Solid point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have a lot of people who could probably officiate your wedding um, involved with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this actually, I'll follow this up with Brian's question for Charlie. Charlie, what's the first thing you ever put in a microwave? <laughs> the first thing I ever put in a microwave? Mm-hmm. Was it love at first, first Bites? deep? 
Well, that would be a microwave oven, but I'm not in the in the microwave oven business. I'm in the microwave radio business. Yes, but he removes the beeps from your microwave during the podcast. I think that's his text messages. Isn't that your text message? That's my beep? text messages or a, tra- oh. or, or, or a truck backing up. We thought it was a microwave. <laughs> they're, they're, I think that both the microwave and the cell phone are from the same era where there was very few, less beeps to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> I find it odd. I find it odd that... These people, you hear like their phone goes off and it's like a duck quacking or some freaking James Bond music or something like that. And then my phone goes, beep, beep, beep. What's that? What's that? What's that? <laughs> I, I, it's this is a solid point. Well, I think the only guest that's that's referenced it has been Chris Gethard, who is like someone just backing up a truck in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wait for someone to reference it, and it's it just it's one of those things that just goes and no one says anything about it. Well, just just so you know, the back end when that's happening, it's usually like one of us letting this the rest of us know something is going on, right? Oh yes, so it's yes. either like fifty a text later for a question. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, we are texting each other constantly during the during the podcast. So there is def you know, there's there's a lot of Jesse feeding us questions. Not that that's all that's all that Jesse does, but I mean, you know I take no responsibility or <laughs> it's me writing words of encouragement most of the time. Usually, usually, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I, it's, it's like that was great. I well guess, like Jesse, you had the question you had the question for Wouldn't it be um, great if we had a technology where you could actually like talk to somebody? <laughs> <laughs> But Jesse, I remember Jesse really wanted us to ask Gentleman Jim Norton about uh, his role as a bouncer or as a weatherman or something in that movie. Well, I didn't know if he was in it, but what it was was I had literally I never want to watch a bad movie. In fact, Dave, I like one of the things I see on your social media is I'm like, I have no idea how you watch this many bad movies. But I was in the mood <laughs> to watch one. And so I watched this terrible movie about like a zombie band thing. And, uh, and I was like, wait, he's describing a character in that that movie i wonder if he was in that movie because this movie was all asbury park people so i was like you should ask him if he was in this movie that it, it turned out he was what's funny about jim is the week after we recorded that i watched like four documentaries on amazon and netflix that had him in it oh yeah there was one on the city gardens one i watched there was one on it's like him and then ian mckay and every documentary or like the people that they're like let's call those guys <laughs> they'll talk about this <laughs> dave Grohl and henry rollins too <laughs> Well, it's Henry Rollins or Ian McKay. They very rarely are in the same documentary unless it's Salad Days. Yes. Is why is there a beef between those two? No, they love each other. No, yeah, they're still best friends, I think. It's the triumvirate between... The, but I think, is Ian close with Danzig or is only Henry Rollins close with Danzig? No, I think I remember this right that Ian still talks to Danzig. Hmm. I, can't, I might be wrong, though. This is the type of thing I don't remember well. <laughs> Does he talk to Bobby Steele? I, I'm only a good fact checker at the moment. <laughs> no proper memory of anything. All right, give us another question that's not about microwaves. <laughs> okay. Someone wanted to know, this is actually uh, Michael, who uh, used to be in Furious George. I know he's he's listened to a lot of episodes, but he wants to know what's next for season two. Is this season I don't over? Know if we have seasons. We don't, don't have seasons, season, right? no, season, no seasons. Like, we're not ending this at any point. If you want to consider this the end of the first batch of episodes, because this is the first one we're doing without a guest, then I guess we've done two months worth of episodes, right? We've, we started in October. Yes. So if this season's over, does that mean we're going to get paid soon? <laughs> oh, yeah. The check's in the mail, Charlie. <laughs> 
there's nothing I'd change about this first group. I mean, I think it was really great. I mean, there's definitely people I want. We changed Charlie's mic. That's a season two, new mic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every every TV show, like you see the pilot episode and then like when they, you can see the second episode where they oh, got yeah. picked up and they actually have money and like the lighting's better and like you can hear what they're saying. S- somebody got just, Botox. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they replaced one of, the, one of the daughters, you know, it's just like one of those things. I think that's what we're going to do. <laughs> I could have just bought a mic on Clinton Street. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've got a little bit of every type of person we want to get on as far as, you know, like different industries, different levels of fame and kind of really just different stories. Right. Like Mm -hmm. everyone doesn't end up in the same place and everyone doesn't feel feel the same way about what they do for work. So I want to do more of the same. I want to mix it up. Like what's amazing is nobody ended up in jail. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll get there. I mean, we have talked about that. I think that this is uh, now the thing that we need to use as a qualification for all the next tapings. We need to collect someone that went to jail. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) You know, what I think is great about the show is I've I've had people ask me, as you get more popular and more people listen to it, are you looking forward to like having bigger guests? And I think that's not really the point of the show. If we, you know, I think we always want to talk to people that are kind of across the spectrum. Like Bill said, you know, it's not just going to be names that you recognize. And I think what a lot of people will have to, I guess, decide whether they want to listen or not is I hope every episode, even if you don't have any idea who the person is, that it's interesting to you. Listen, if you recognize some of these names you've been hanging with the wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a very, point. very true. Very true. Because I think even even some of the people who like were punks and made it really big in business or something like that, like they're probably same thing with Charlie said. Like the, it's the wrong people to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a stage name. That's the key. That's right. I do want to have some of those people, but I mean, I, if our show only became big name people, I, I think it would be boring. We, we'd run. We'd run out of them quickly. You want to get some of those people on the show yeah sure well, maybe yeah. maybe when there's Cuomo decides to open up the bars again we can head down to McSorley's and find a few yuppies <laughs> <laughs> well let's segue into another question we had here what guest wouldn't you want on the show well Bill had an interesting thing about being respectful to people what I think he should talk about. Yeah, that's true. So, so there's some people who I think would be interesting, but the problem is, is like they're really hard to have on because everyone would think that they're being on to be made fun of, and that's not what we want to do. So, uh, you know, there's there's some people. Who, I don't know. I don't. I reject that premise. <laughs> I mean, in a I mean think way. Every guest like, we want to make fun of. No, no, that's what I'm talking about. So, like, so only if they're like from Congress or something, we make fun of them. That's true. I mean, that that's fine. I'm just saying there, there's some folks that like would probably have an interesting story but it would be really hard to get around that even the guest thinking that they weren't being set up right like and i don't want to have the audience think that oh these guys are going to destroy this guy or these guys are going to make this guy seem you know feel bad about himself or anything like that so there's been a few people pitched and i'm like no we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna go there it's like too hard to do and but i think we've shown we could be compassionate to some of our guests yes i, I always want to be that's the thing I, I don't want to if someone wants to look bad it should be that's what they want i truly i still feel bad about chicken john from that night in uh, cbgb's on Christmas <laughs> that, i think that came across though i really do yeah. think you yeah. know you you seemed really genuine with that and i think you know that was that was a good moment on the show i mean i think we've yeah, had a couple of i was of happy those. to hear from him about it like you know 
you know, it feels like it closes something that, you know, okay, it worked out okay in the long run. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I think for sure. That's like the, I think if, if someone doesn't have something to teach, whether they know it or not, I wouldn't want a guest on that just wants to sell themselves. I think that's boring. And I think when someone's just like, you know, and, 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 you know, they just want to talk about, uh, you know, what they've accomplished without actually any introspection to it. I think that's, that's not that doesn't make for a good show. I mean, we've we've already had some that are incredibly serious and some that are really silly and some that are both. But if someone's just out there talking to us like they're on the morning radio show and they're trying to promote their gig that night, then that's not really what. What happens I, if they want to pay us? To- <laughs> it's, still, it's still not going to be a good show, though. That's, that's the thing. Even if that fantasy happened, we're not geniuses enough to make that a good show, right? We can't. We can't squeeze that rock i think we could i think we'd fuck it up somehow i mean i think we'd, we'd, we'd probably <laughs> I want, just i don't want to do it that way though. but that's when <laughs> there be, goes the freaking business model <laughs> that's when we just give it to charlie and we're like be as much of a dick as you want to be <laughs> <laughs> well, all i'm saying is this has all been a long way of saying that you guys are not letting us have rick to life on jesus i know i really <laughs> i really want it to happen i'm all for it because i think it's a great story i mean i think that would be wonderful you know i think you know one of the biggest compliments that we We've gotten that I, you know, in my opinion, is when we finished the Penelope. Houston interview and she said, you know, this is the first interview I've, I've, I think I've ever done where someone didn't ask me what it was like to open for the Sex Pistols at Winterland, you know, or whatever. It helps yeah. when you don't know about that. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely helps. Yeah. We didn't do I, our homework. <laughs> I have a great example of this. Bug Outside, he played in another state and we stayed at someone's house and we were in the car with the person we were staying with for like an hour driving, doing errands with him or whatever and at some point, Charlie was like, hey, you know, it's, it's really nice that you're driving dropping all these names, but we don't know who any of them are. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. And you said it in the nicest way, like, (laughs) I have to say. But, you know, we don't want someone who's just like there, you know, promoting themselves. It's, it's It's really boring. There's also 300 podcasts that do that right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, it's a blessing and a curse. I think people are more likely to listen to a new podcast now because they're more used to listening to podcasts in general. But I also think there's a lot of competition, and, and I do see there's a, there's some guests that we have. You know, you see they've done three podcasts that month, and we're just one of them. But uh, I think the best ones that we've done are the ones that that might not be someone that people are going to be like, "Holy shit, I got to rush out and listen to that." But they've been you know, incredibly insightful. I also thought it was really awesome. For instance, we had Emily Flake on and then like the next week I was like driving around listening to, uh, I think it was This American Life. They did a story with her that she had had told on the on the broadcast. And I was like, okay, we have a pretty good ear for what's good, what what makes good stories. I mean, she, and 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 that's, you know, that was something cool to, to listen to as well as like seeing where our guests show up. But I feel, I feel like the best shows are the ones that like, I like those people afterwards. I, I if not want to be friends with them, at least want to follow their career and root for them. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's like a, 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 a common thing for the, for the episodes we've done so far is like, I, I become fans of the people when I feel like they're being honest with us and we actually get to know who they are. I mean, that's, that's my qualification to listen to music. Unfortunately, like I, I have a hard time listening to bands that I don't like the people in. <laughs> Not a big agnostic front fan. Probably going, <laughs> certain members of agnostic front are fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you, like that's 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 a little bit too far, I think, of a bar to set 
for something that's supposed to be entertainment. But the, you know, that that's I'm trying to get away from that with this podcast. But it also I want to embrace it at the same time. Like like I want to have these people who are interesting, even if I don't like them. I want to hear have them tell their story, and um, you know, it, I want to make something that you want to listen to. Well, I mean, I feel like Jesse has the most experience with that as far as like producing bands that you don't personally like. I mean, like I'm sure you're friends with a lot of bands with people in bands that you're probably would never want to listen to their actual album. Yeah, but I listen to it from a perspective of trying to get it to at least feel an emotion of excitement. And, you know, one of, there's a funny thing with this is that, like, for example, I don't ever produce, like, modern heavy metal anymore because I don't even understand the emotion when I hear it. I'm like, what the fuck is even happening here? Because I have no idea. I was never that huge into that stuff. And I'm a happy 43 almost year old not angry at the world the way metal is. So I can't do it, but I can understand a lot of other emotions. Like when I do punk now, I still understand the emotion very well. By the way, I would have Steve Martin on the show from Agnostic Front. Oh, that'd be really <laughs> fun, actually. <laughs> I, I think I think he does. He probably has a very interesting business story, despite you know a lot of people not liking him for whatever reason. It's just, which is fine. He probably doesn't like me either, but I'd love to have him on. We should I mean, do I think, that. Yeah. My, my line is like, if you're not a Nazi, <laughs> you know, like, it, like if you're not someone that's so abhorrent that like, I know we're not going to find common ground. Like I would love to have someone on that. I'll be honest about this. Like, I mean, I'm not a fan of Brandon's band, but yes. I thought speaking to him was great. And, you know, and I walked away with an appreciation for, for all of that. And, you know, there's definitely something that I think going back to that other question about what's in store for season two, like, I'd like to branch out beyond even just punk rock. I mean, I think we, oh, you know, God. we're definitely going <laughs> to. <laughs> we always talked about this, Charlie. It's like, you know, it's like if we're going to have someone on that, that, you know, kind of in, in embodies that mindset, whether or not it's considered punk or not, I think would be great. And, and I think, you know, we, I don't want to limit us on that. I could be wrong. We could be. I, I, I think, I think it'll happen naturally. I don't think we have to force it. So. No, 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 I'm not yeah. trying to force it. Yeah, I'm definitely, but I mean, to what Jesse said, there's, when you get into, when you get into punk rock and like, you get really excited about it and you start going to shows, like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I wanted to be friends with all the bands that I liked, you know, I mm -hmm. wanted to like, you know, I wanted to, to get in with them and like, feel like I was part of something. And I, I feel like we're not necessarily doing the same thing with this podcast, but I do think, you know, I want to find something that I like about these people. Otherwise it makes it really hard to promote it. I wanted to make fun of all the bands that I like. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know, if you got hit with snossages, you were really up there. That's right. <laughs> to tie in what Dave said, I mean, that, that's technically how we all know each other because Dave and I know each other because we were both drawn to George Tab's writing, which as embarrassing as that is to say in 2020 is a real thing. And, uh, <laughs> and then we met Bill and Charlie through that. That's right. There you go. I never even read George Tab's writing. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Aside from I am Gilligan. If you, <laughs> <laughs> you only read that because it was on the signs that he held up before. Yeah. <laughs> 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 there's lots of different ways to to uh get into this stuff there's lots of different people there's lots of different personalities we want to try to go through them all but i don't want to make anyone feel like we're making a spectacle spectacle of them absolutely <laughs> i'm gonna stop the conversation for one second and tell you if you enjoyed this conversation there's tons more where this came from for only five dollars a month you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month Want to help out with some gas money to get us the next show? We have merch and more at killedbydesk.com. Now let's get back to the show. So here's a good question. What does prep for an average show look like? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Usually this is how it works. I talk to a coworker or someone who knows about 
the guests work. Um, sometimes several people, sometimes people they don't know who are in the same industry. Um, it's just to get questions that don't waste a lot of time. I don't want to ask, you know, someone about something they absolutely don't do or can't speak to. It's just, it's not, it's just going to throw the, the whole groove off. And, and sometimes you get, you know, some stories from those people that the guests might not be top of mind on, which is useful. That's also kind of the filter too, right, Bill? Like most of the, most of our potential guests drop off when you ask them to speak to other people. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> or they, they, they make us wait like four months. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's hence true. Why, hence why we have a question and answer show. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. There, there are at least seven or eight people that I'm just trying to schedule a meeting with their coworker, et cetera, with. But I feel like it's important. And then Dave, you do a bunch of stuff. I do some background research. I try and get some questions together. Bill and I made the mistake one time of sharing our notes. And then like it was a it was a weird episode. It wasn't a bad episode. And I won't name the episode. But I feel like since then, we've definitely just kind of kept our own uh, questions. So we both, you know, I think one of the things that we really wanted to make sure too was that there wasn't a whole lot of dead air or questions of where we were trying to take the interview. And I think Bill and I have definitely, I feel like had a really good unspoken balance there where, and I know a lot of it has to do with Jesse's editing as well and Brian's editing, but uh, we don't step over each other a lot. We kind of stay in the same direction of what we're trying to figure out from the guest. So I feel like that's a lot of the research I try and figure out first. And then, you know, a lot of my prep is too, is for posting on social media. So whether it's on the Twitter or Facebook page or Instagram, like I need to make sure that I have enough images of that person. I'm really trying hard not to like steal any credited photos, you know, even though we're not making money off of this or anything, like I'm very mindful of like using photos that are approved for usage and I'm not stealing something from like a photographer on Brooklyn vegan or something like that. And then, you know, we have someone getting pissed off at us. So I try and find photos that we're able to use and then, I mean, Brooklyn I listened vegan. to the episode. <laughs> what was that? Brooklyn, Brooklyn Vegan. <laughs> it's a blog. It's a it's a website. It's pretty popular. And that, that's where we, that's where we find all our guest photos. Well, actually, <laughs> I think every one of our guests <laughs> has had a photo on Brooklyn Vegan. To be honest, I, I, Troy is right to question the proposition of the statement. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's a good. That's a good segue, though. I feel like Dave and I get so caught up in here. Charlie's there to ask obvious questions that we're not thinking of, <laughs> and I, I feel like that's really important here because you know we we're so embroiled in in like all this background. You know, Charlie sometimes just has to ask, like, "Hey, what 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 is it that you do? I don't understand." Yeah. I feel like, Charlie, you bring what the listeners, Bill and I will dork out on stuff, and then you're the one that's like the listener's POV that's like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, bring this back to somewhere, or just making fun of us if we're both too earnest or serious about shit. Or talking about food. Yeah, or talking about, like, Drake's fine. cakes or whatever. We should get, we should get sponsors. I've never done any prep for any episode, <laughs> except for this episode, where Bill made me go to Staples, and we had to freaking try to open these freaking glass doors that wouldn't open. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's been quite jarring a couple times where you've like come in late in the, like, like, you know, in, late in the episode. So like me and Bill will take it into a really serious direction. And then all of a sudden you're in and you're like, all right, let me ask a bunch of questions. And they're like, wait, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> I only came in late because I didn't want to hear that pre-show banter. Yes, yes, I understand. It's, it's still funny. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's all this one. That's, that's all this show is my friend. <laughs> just to finish real quick and and then social media like I try and pull quotes from the episode that people 
can see and be like, oh, that's interesting. I want to listen to that or whatever. And uh, every once in a while, I go a little crazy with that and then just post stupid shit on Twitter, which uh, seems to get a decent response sometimes. Usually it's shit that I don't put on my own Twitter account. One thing I never do is I never listen to other podcasts. Do you no, ever do either. that, Dave? No. Did you so. ever put a public service announcement on your regular Twitter account? That's <laughs> <laughs> what my my regular Twitter account is where I go after all the brands that you mentioned, Charlie, and I'm like Drake's Cake CEO, like like get us mm-hmm. some uh, get us <laughs> yeah. some dollars, product placement, exactly. That's what we need. I'm working yeah. on that. Only up, yeah. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know that M and M's turned down that um, ET product that's right. placement. They did really. Really dumb. It was M&M's in the, in the original script of the book or whatever. Oh, and then it became Reese's Pieces? Do you say yeah, Reese's or Reese's, Charlie? Reese's. Okay. Reese's. Reese's. You seem like a guy that would say Reese's. That's brilliant. No, I wouldn't thing. say that. This is New York. <laughs> <laughs> now you sound like that freaking uh, gentleman Jim. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same as the monkeys. What's the biggest challenge we have with each episode? Getting the equipment to work. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that, that's probably accurate. <laughs> Here's my question. It's like, you know, if the, if the mummies can get away with, with recording albums with shitty equipment, how come we can't do a podcast with shitty equipment? Analog shitty equipment is very different than digital shitty equipment. Yeah. Especially when, when there's no software. That, that was everything was better. I wonder if I wonder if some some hipsters will record a podcast on a seventy eight like like a or a wax cylinder and like they have to <laughs> literally right before we started taping this I got an ad that a studio by me is doing live to vinyl records for you to sell that where each take will be a vinyl for your fans to buy and uh, I was like oh this did it call them a vinyl oh, that always drives me crazy that would be. But but I saw that the studio was close enough to me that I could burn it down. So if we, we end up doing an episode where I'm in jail, we, have, we now know why. I'm doing a lot of crime confessing. Is that in Williamsburg? Charlie, here's a fun fact. The East Williamsburg Mass Path Board would be hard to decipher which part side it's on for me. There's Listen, the, the I don't want to hear between. about Williamsburg bordering Mass Path. We have freaking uh, we have a river. Newtown Creek that goes between. Is that we where do. that strip club is? Yes, and we have that's on the wrong side. Uh-huh. And we, no, no, we got, pups we got is, ramparts. Pups is on the other side of Newton. We have ramparts on our side, and we got orders to shoot hipsters on sight. <laughs> isn't that the, so that that um that cemetery? Isn't that the cemetery that, that, that Trump's family's buried at? Is it? I think it is. There's well, a lot of people buried in that cemetery. I think that yeah, that one that's on the right when you're going down, like you go over the little bridge and you pass the strip club on the left yeah, and you go yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, not the rape cemetery of Bushwick, the other one. No, the other one that's further down. Yeah, I like that we do. I like that we're just acknowledging that that's called the rape cemetery. <laughs> well, Dave, how far do you live from that cemetery where they just like reused all the graves for like 150 years? Like oh, every- that's like within walking distance. I've walked. I've walked my dog there. I mean, it's it's weird because there's two cemeteries right next to each other. One is. Uh, it's Hill. a pet cemetery? <laughs> no, unfortunately it isn't. You said you buried your dog there. I, I walk my dog there. <laughs> oh, I got <laughs> One day I'll bury her there. But No, it's only going to last a year. I don't do that. <laughs> it's a dog. Why does it have to last longer than that? <laughs> Cave Hill is the famous cemetery, and that's where like Colonel Sanders is buried. And oh, Muhammad, get out of Muhammad here, Ali. really? Wow. Oh, yeah, the, Colonel's, the Colonel Sanders grave is awesome. It's a bust of him, and it's like a full... Charlie, you would love this thing, and yeah. uh, it's it's done really well. And then uh, uh, Muhammad Ali is buried there, and then the the two sisters that wrote Happy Birthday 
are buried there. That was the colonel's secret recipe in his grave. Uh, uh, that's uh, the rumor uh, that it was buried with him. Mm. Charlie, maybe that's the promotional stunt we need to do. We need to get the get the recipe. Yeah, killed killed by dust podcast guys dug up Colonel Sanders' grave to, <laughs> to release the recipe to the world. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go over big in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I actually found out that um, the most popular KFC in the world is in Jamaica. It's in Montego Bay, Jamaica. And apparently Jamaicans are obsessed with KFC, and it's like where they go for Christmas dinner. That's where they do in, J- J- in J- Japan, too. They go to Christmas dinner at KFC. <laughs> this is like how uh, the, the most busy McDonald's is in Iraq. Really? It used to be the one on 95, like in Connecticut. McSnack? You don't, you don't McSnack? SFA loves that one. <laughs> After they go bowling with you? Wait, wait, tell us about, tell us about the foreign one, then Charlie can explain that. I'm not telling that story. One of the things that we all, all bond over is we all read uh, way too much of things that, you know, books that uh, uh, contain obscure <laughs> I never notes. read a book in my life. Oh, well, well okay. <laughs> the, the point being, there's a business, whenever you read books on AI, which I've read a lot, uh, they always tell you about the busiest McDonald's is in Iraq and it's run by one person. That's like everybody's favorite AI story. Who's that? That guy, Baghdad Bob, runs. <laughs> <laughs> I love Baghdad Bob. I, I reference see, Baghdad Bob probably every. You probably week. hire him as a freaking uh, permanent guest, right? <laughs> listen, listen, contributing listen. guest. What do you call them? Listen, I'd love to get Baghdad Bob's analysis on what's going on with this uh, slow moving coup right now. I suggest he open up Baghdad. Bob Big Boy. <laughs> Back to Bob's Big Boy. Where is a Big Boy? I haven't seen one in a while. Yeah. I th- there's a bunch down here in is Louisville. There? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. yeah there's is a- it Bob's or is it that like Bob's the or RJ, RJ's Ab- or something? Ab is Big Boy or something, right? <laughs> no, they can call it whatever they want. Yeah, so it's it's franchise. So you can, I, that's why I, I always thought in New York it was Bob's Big Boy. I thought that was the name of it, but I guess it was just the, it was just Bob that owned all the Big Boys. So you mean I can get my own Boswell's Big Boy? You could get, you could, you could get MC Charlie Boswell's Big Boy. Oh, that's good. Like that. Career change. That could do well. <laughs> if there's any venture capitalists out there, <laughs> contact us. Well, it's also a hoard, it's also a hoarder's uh, theme, right? That's that's the other restaurant. That's the Call Your Brothers Cafe. <laughs> yes, Call Your Brothers. We're Cafe. taking franchise opportunities now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we were talking about that. We looked for this the other day. That I, I don't get why there's not a better map of that shows just where fast food locations exist across the country, since it's such a weird phenomenon of where certain ones have pockets and where they exist. I think there's a lot in Louisville. I never saw so many fast food places in my life back in like 1978 when I drove down this one one strip in Louisville. It was one after another. Well, we have we have one of the only existing Ollie's trolleys too. Have you ever heard about the Ollie's trolleys? Yes. I've heard of I've heard yeah. of it. So it's the guy who um who did um KFC and he did I believe Taco Bell afterwards. He tried to make this franchise out of it's a burger place and it's a trolley they they they, they re, repurposed old trolleys. Although I think the one that we have now is not a real operating trolley, it just looks like one. And there's no seating, you just walk in and the burgers are it's kind of like a white castle level, but the but what people love are the fries. The fries have their own special seasoning that mm. they don't give away the recipe for or whatever. But there's only two left, one in Louisville and one in Florida. But it was supposed to be this huge franchise. And it, it, I think at its height had a couple dozen locations, and it was poised to go nationwide. And it didn't. So people travel for this 
people travel to go to Ollie's Trolley all the time. I mean, the, there's always a line there. Well, they ruined the White Castle fries when they changed them. Yeah. When there used to be the soggy fries and used to get, get, get a wooden fork with it. So, Charlie, what's the difference between Crystals and, and White Castle? Are they, are they connected? Or are they just like Crystals just ripping no, off both, White Castle? To rip off. White yeah, Castle is White Castle. Crystals is terrible. Freaking, crystals is really terrible. White Castle has been around for over 80 years. But I thought I always thought Crystals was like the ver- like what they called White Castle in the South. Because you get down South and all, there's no more White Castles. It's just Crystals. No, no. That's just, it's no, just like no White Castle only in certain, mostly in cities. You know, like, you know, New York, Newark. Cincinnati, Louisville, Indianapolis, Chicago, like it's in a few spots originally, you know, it was it used to list it on the, on the box. When you got a burger, it tell you what cities they were in. They weren't like all over. So they weren't down South. I always wondered, you know, what always confused me was Dairy Queen. Like some of them have braziers attached to them. Some of them, and then some of them. We ain't got no Dairy have Queen in Have braziers, the porn site attached to them? <laughs> That's braziers, isn't it? <laughs> you talking about <laughs> no like like some some dairy queens have burgers and then some have like it's almost like a kfc taco bell but like it's a separate That's company where, that does the what's burgers. his name warren buffett eats there for lunch every day really in omaha and that is dairy queen i don't know I guess it's in omaha i don't think he would drive out he omaha. doesn't eat at the, he <laughs> doesn't eat at the warren buffet no. <laughs> I did want to open a place called Jimmy's Buffet, and it was going to just be a Margaritaville-themed... Uh, <laughs> oh, I like this. I like this. <laughs> Parrotheads, welcome. Um, but uh, Bob, Bob Hope used to pull through the In-N-Out Burger every day. Like, was that, it around that long? Yeah. At what point, when you're headed south, because we... I mean, that was the best part about touring, too, is you get to go to all the different fast food places or whatever... When do you start seeing Shoney's? Like Virginia. I've never even noticed this. And then Waffle House. My father was in a Shoney's when it got held up. Really? That's pretty cool. Yeah, they, like gunpoint. Did they did they rob all the customers too? No, they didn't. Oh, okay. But they, they didn't know what was going on. They had everybody get down on the floor. I was, I was in the Taco Bell on Northern Boulevard when the manager got stabbed. Get out of here. And then like in everyone Bayside? ran. Yeah, everyone ran out. And then it was just me and... Um, Jacuzzi Joe. Rich Trash. No, it was Charlie uh, KRS-One. <laughs> you were with KRS-One? Yeah, well, we were the only ones where we were just like, we don't want to mess up. You know, we, we got to the front of the line because everyone ran out. And I was like, I, you know, I, I just paid a toll to go to this Taco Bell. And KRS-One was like, this is the only place I can get vegetarian. <laughs> you were there with him or you just happened to be there? He happened to be there. I was not with KRS-One. No, nobody's believing this story, <laughs> What year is this? I don't know, 92 or okay, something. So, I was so, on my way I was on my way to practice with Bug Outside and I used to go and stop at Northern Boulevard Taco Bell on the way. So you didn't just pay the toll to go there? I didn't just pay the toll to go there, but I had paid the toll just to go there in previous visits, yes. Yeah, but this time you were heading to Roxy Studio after. That's right. Bill, I swear when I lived near you in the Bronx that I met Dion at the local 7-Eleven, but no one believed me. I don't believe you, no. You don't think... <laughs> You don't think that D- that Dion was at our at the local Seven Eleven in the Bronx in Pelham Bay? No, but I saw um, I saw the guitar player from Anthrax there once. <laughs> Scotty Inn or the other one? Uh, the not no, the other one. Dan. Yeah, no, oh yeah, Dan Spitz. Dan Spitz. He's a watchmaker now. Oh, Ooh, we should have him on the podcast. Yes, he's on the list. Yeah, he, he makes he, well, he what, makes what custom happened? watches like clockwork style. What Is it called Got the Anthrax? Time? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to look that, that up. That really, if it, it does a missed opportunity, if it doesn't. At the least, using it for a commercial gene. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Anthrax? They still, they still they, play, they unfortunately. Or something. Don't they do like a tour with like Belladonna and Bush? 
and they both sing? I think that that did happen at least once, yes. I kind of remember that because I was a very big fan of the uh, Bush I'm era. the man? I loved I'm the man, too, because I loved all rap rock when I was young. But did you like that? I, I bought, that's the only Anthrax record I bought, and I only bought that because— uh, Scotty and bought our record. That's right. <laughs> Do you love the Judgment Night soundtrack? I will tell you. I listened to the Judgment Night soundtrack within the last two months <laughs> purely to try to understand what the fuck was going on in music. I was writing a video and I was like, do I call back to this and say it? And then my hypothesis was off. <laughs> <laughs> what was your hypothesis? So, you know, rap and rock are really converging right now. And so for the audience, they probably don't know that. I do a YouTube well, where well, I explain. Did we just jump through the freaking Guardian of Forever back to 1985 or something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do a YouTube channel where I explain music and music promotion and creativity and music. And I was there's a lot of rap rock right now. As we've discussed, Dave, uh, you know, I'm a very big fan of the Machine Gun Kelly punk record. But there's no rap in that. It's just a, it just sounds like Blink-182. Uh, that's, that's not correct. There's some rapping. Maybe I didn't get far enough into it. I mean, I, I listened to maybe like the first five tracks and I was like, this sounds like something I would have made fun of my sister for listening to in like 1998. Uh, well, the joke between my producer friends and I is that if anybody else showed up with lyrics this bad, you would have literally thrown them out of the studio and quit the record. But for some reason, you know, very big record this year. It's your favorite of the year. Well, it's not my favorite. Album, right? it's, no, it's the, the punk record I've listened to the most because it was a bad year for punk. My favorite rap rock is Rock Hard. What's Rock Hard? I'm not remembering this. That figures. <laughs> <laughs> I love when I get to leave it insults to myself on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What was Rock Hard? <laughs> Wait, what's Rock Hard? And and also, Charlie, did you see what, what movie was it? That's Judgment the soundtrack Night? of because Charlie Charlie watches like every movie in the theater. Oh, did you see Judgment Night in the theater? There's no movies in the theaters now. I know, but I'm saying, but when theaters were open, you you generally would watch every movie. Is that still true? Not as much as it used to be. Okay, that was true. But did you see Judgment Night? Okay, I saw I saw rapping. Mm. I also mm. saw rapping. Yeah. Did you see Crush Groove? Of course. I also saw Crush Groove. So question being the convergence of rap and rock. I mean, it's not done like, remember when like it didn't, Jay-Z did that horrible album with Linkin Park, oh. you know, like uh, is it, so it's smarter now. I would argue this, that crossing genres is one of the hardest things you could do in music. That to make it work, like I often talk about the Sum 41 video for Fat Lip, that the genius they did with that video whether you think they did rap and rock well, is what they did is punk forbid, forbid you crossing the two at the time. That, that was the ultimate cringe that you could do. But what they did for that video is they inceptioned it, is they showed a bunch of punk kids enjoying that. And the whole video is just punk kids enjoying them rapping. And that inceptioned it into being. But isn't that where every new style of music comes from? I mean, is, is the is the strange combination of, of one or more styles? But I, what I would argue is, uh, that people often get better than there's an apex and then there's a point where it just dies. Like, I mean, we could very easily argue then, right then, then the Ramones come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Ramones are a great, great example of what I actually would call is, if we want to get really nerdy, a divergent rebellion. So the thing I'm convinced that's always happening in music that people don't discuss is that if you put your elbows together and your hands as far apart, is genres start there and they start getting more disparate from one another. And everything is always a rebellion. So like, for example, what happens with the Ramones is we have the most jammy era of music 
and they rebel against that by doing the most controlled chaos possible. So where's the most analog band now since everything is so digital? Like, is there, are there, is there like a primitive? Yeah. I mean, like, look, we have 20 year olds who jerked off over John Prine records in recent years. That's true. Yeah. The whole Americana thing. Yeah. yeah, The Americana thing is a rebellion against digital and the control in music. Like all of, uh, what's his name? Um, Well, Sturgill Simpson putting out a blue. That's what I was about to say is Dave Cobb who produces Sturgill Simpson. Everything Dave Cobb does is a, a rebellion against this. The band Ghost being one of the biggest heavy metal bands is an absolute rebellion against that most heavy metal is made by a computer at this point. So so I want to ask Charlie because I've always wondered this about Bug Out Society. Like you guys incorporated a lot of rap and, and hip hop like stuff. Is that just because of where you guys lived and like the influence of all that stuff or was that like a conscious decision? No, that was just what was going on. Yeah, it wasn't that it wasn't that it wasn't that weird at the time. That wasn't that wasn't like that was just, you know, walking down the street you do that. You know, that was it. But that interview that was like, oh, I saw these guys who were like kind of like the doing like what the Beastie Boys were doing. And it's like it, it does it seem does it seem odder now than it did at the time? Or like, you know, like do you guys do you see that as being like Well what seems seems odd to me is that they we didn't get big like they did. Yeah, I would I would definitely say Yo Baby Sup's better than some of the stuff on like some old bullshit like the early BC Boys seven inches. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to questions. Who is our dream guest? Hmm, that's a really good question. I mean, if we answered it in a Venn diagram form, I want somebody who really, really has a lot to say about how punk affected a job that's very not punk now. Mm-hmm. I think I, I really. How, how is that a Venn diagram? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a solid criticism of what I just said. <laughs> it's more of an X Y axis. Uh, yeah. I'm looking for the empty set. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, I, I appreciate that criticism. Well, isn't that? I mean, isn't that? Isn't I mean, I thought one of the most punk rock things that we've heard of com- combining work and music was was Sarah saying that she named named a spider after feed time. It's like having so much love for music that she like named a spider a- that she discovered out after a band she loved well no no i think the band actually helped her discover the spider oh i thought she said it was like a joke and they like were teasing her about it so then she did oh. it that's but she I, was in the she was in there in there like near their location too right yeah she was just, in this because she was i think working in australia but she said like they were teasing her about something and then she i think it was probably the same trip or something like that i don't know maybe we should ask her for more detail on that but i think <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to assume but i mean point that, taken I'm, I'm getting into the weeds for no reason no i think that's i think it's 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 a cool thing i mean so to that point to jesse's point i feel the same way i mean i feel like i mean i can name names like i would love to have like milo i mean milo from the descendants would i think would be a really fun one to do just from someone that has such an established career outside punk and then part of it uh and the fact that i mean their first album is pretty much the album of like oh we're going to record this before he goes to get a real job so if there's anyone that's more intrinsic linked between their work and their music. I can't think of one. Oh, I know one. Yeah. Jack from Twitter. Yeah. Is he punk rock? Dude, he, there's a picture. I'm going to send you this when we're done. There's a picture of me at CBG, sorry, at ABC No Rio and he's in the picture. Wow. We didn't let people with beards that long. Uh, that's because he, he, he looked like a crusty back then. He looks disgusting in the picture. He looks disgusting. Charlie, yet again, good, good correction. He looks much worse now. <laughs> he wouldn't have looked out of place at C-Squat when he did that congressional hearing. I mean, he looked pretty yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's actually accurate. If he had said his favorite neurosis record uh, during the testimony, it would, it would, <laughs> I wouldn't have broken broken a, a stare. <laughs> 
Charlie, who's your dream guest? Do you have one? No. <laughs> Bill? I like Jim Williamson from the Stooges. Just yeah. uh, mm. He's on like one of the most iconic punk records of all time. He quit. And then he ended up like being part of like creating Blu-ray discs for yeah. AMD. It right? works like, at so Google, he, too? He actually, I think so, yeah. But he was like a big executive. And he was on all these projects that directly affected media. Yeah. So it's not not only just like, you know, he had this background, he probably most people didn't know it, but he's he's kind of famous just for being like powerful and influencing like the technology. We really got to try for that. That'd be amazing. My other my backup is Rick to life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I really think that would be I, I think I think that'll be a great interview. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I think Rick to like life has a great interview in him. I just don't think we're able to get it out of him. Yes. <laughs> the one thing though, is that since I used to be his coworker, we really had that dimension. <laughs> what about your job has prepared you for doing the podcast? I can't answer this. Obviously I, I can answer. I mean, the past eight or nine years, I've been doing a lot of what's called business analysis, which is basically interviewing people about their jobs um, and trying to find uh, ways to make, them easier or to streamline them. Um, so I've, I've been doing that a lot. I also, I worked for Teach for America for years and part of working there is like actually interviewing candidates. So like I've done job, basically job interviews with hundreds of people as well. I feel comfortable about coming up with questions, um, even preparing for them and coming up on the fly. It's just technical <laughs> experience, not not necessarily artistic. I'm not going to beat that answer, so. <laughs> <laughs> Very good answer. It's never f- that much fun as this, so this is the fun version of that. Yeah. Do you think it's the people that we talk to or the way that we're able to speak to them? I think it's the same approach, basically. You, wanna, you want people to feel comfortable um, not and not threatened by anything you're going to ask. So, like, you could easily take um, someone coming in to, like, do business analysis as, like, the Bobs from Office Space, right? Like, or we're trying to, we're trying to downsize. Like, who do we not need here? Um, and I think, I think we all make people feel comfortable in the same way where it's like, hey, we're here to help you. We're not here to, like, hurt you. But to that point, no one's used their appearance on our podcast I don't think I, maybe I missed it, but I don't think anyone's promoted their podcast appearance on LinkedIn yet. Is that a goal? <laughs> that's a good point. point. That's is, a good point. You said I, this I, is going to be a LinkedIn that's, play. That's the goal. <laughs> I'd I'd like that. I'd like people on LinkedIn to like listen to this because there are a lot of good work stories, right? And there's a lot to learn from others in a different, a completely coming from a completely different place than like a normal business article that like Dave would write for Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I try and make those fun. Uh, I do think. <laughs> I, I got I got a picture with Steve Forbes. Did you? <laughs> Was it with the coin he minted of himself? <laughs> <laughs> I liked what Brooks said when we interviewed him, where he was like, you know, a lot of times I do interviews and people are like, so you're in a punk band. And he's like, and they want to talk about punk rock in like a general term of like, they don't really know what they're talking about. Whereas he was like, with you guys, like, I I know, like, you could talk to me about like, what your favorite track is on Flex Your Head. You know, like, I think that that's like, even if we don't talk about punk rock, I think it's, uh, it's one of those things that that allows us to kind of get to the bottom of things more. And I think the only thing that I always wonder is, you know, we don't get the post-mortem kind of feedback a lot of times from guests. So I wonder if they're like happy with it or like if they're like, 
you know, I gave up too much. Cause I mean, what makes for a good podcast doesn't always make for something that people want to share, you know? So I wonder if anyone's walked away and been like, I said too much, or like the fact that we talk about like imposter syndrome or fear, fear of failure and like all of that faking it. Kind I of guarantee stuff. we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. But I think it's come up with every person so far. I think I, it's like a prerequisite to get on this podcast. <laughs> it's like you gotta, you not think you're that important. I think that that's something further down the line that we really have to do too, is like, we have to like get a shrink on here to like discuss all these fucking things that there's just so many you know like I know there's a different documentary called the punk syndrome that's about something else but it really is a thing that the amount of shared traits is incredible and we talk about this a lot yeah that fearlessness mixed with the fear of everything you know it's really that that's a great way to put it yeah that I think that I think that you know people have had a hard time explaining punk rock as you know, because it's so different in opinions and politics and things like that. But I think that's what it's about. It's like you need to like jump out there, scream your head off because you're terrified. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, it's it's funny because I think having that it's it's almost like, you know, punk rock prepares you for the real world because it is kind of like a microcosm of that. Like, you know, you're you're performing for 20 people as opposed to everyone in your business or whatever. So it's like it, it almost allows you to to get your foot your footing. But then at the same time, you know, you're told by so many people that, you know, because you were playing in bands and not participating in every club in high school or whatever, you know, like it, it's like it's that outside looking in, but also you know, how much from a social skills standpoint does punk rock give people? Because it seems like a lot from what we've learned from people is, you know, a lot of what they have learned from the punk scene, they use every day with people that have no no idea what the punk scene is, but they still use it to relate to people. They still use it to have conversations with people or even even like figure out a career. Like I feel like with Chris Gethard, like, you know, him talking about how much he was influenced by all the crazy people that lived in his in his town, you know, and how he pretty much has used that to, to platform a, an entire career is, is incredible. Okay. If you formed a startup staffed by all of your guests to date, what roles would you want them to have and why? <laughs> I wouldn't hire any of them. <laughs> Come on. There's I, I, some... I, no, I'm serious. I formed a band and I formed a company and everybody I formed a band or a company came from the same school. <laughs> so there's strict requirements. With you me. know, we could also form a band. <laughs> wait, 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 hold, hold, hold on. We got to dig deeper on this. <laughs> What? Wait, hold on. No, no, wait, wait. I definitely did not go to that school, Charlie. You didn't form the band, <laughs> did you? I didn't see every employee we hired or anything like that. Okay, no, hold on. So maybe let's let's rephrase the question so Charlie can answer it. If we already had a startup and we were going to staff all our guests with different roles, what would you have them do and why? How about that? We've had some very competent people on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, my head of communications would be Chicken John for sure. Great call. I agree. I mean, obviously graphic design is Emily. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't hire that guy booked for the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Why? He lives at that kitchen all day. Yeah. He does, he's yeah, dedicated. But he makes fake hamburgers. He can make, yeah, he can make, not, he's not he a vegetarian anymore. Yeah. Anymore? No. Yeah. He can make anything. Will he make me a steak? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, then then bring him in. Steak, steak <laughs> He's gonna, I mean, I'm so sure easy to make a good steak. There's a big jump bad. down. But he's probably not going to make a good steak, but there's a there's a really good there's a really big jump between Brooks and whoever our second place cook would be. <laughs> <laughs> I do think um, I do. I mean, uh, Brandon would have to be our CFO. <laughs> <laughs> this is good though. When you, when you're choosing employees, you definitely need someone to to play that other 
role and, and say, is this really what we should be doing, right? You shouldn't just take the obvious. This is true. Re- Reverend Hank is a, definitely HR. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, he's not going like to get that. us in trouble with anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I take Justin as our as our CMO. Yes, 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 yes. Jim Dort, very competent. I feel like he's uh, a COO. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he could be, or, he could or, be the, or, the, or the, like the main client liaison. I feel like he's the guy that like, you know, well, actually, Spag or, or would be the, really good for that too because that's kind of what yeah. he does. Or, or the head of security. <laughs> security. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, I think Sarah could be R&D. Yes, yes, yes. I was going to say say that or environmental impact. <laughs> That's even better. Environmental impact. That's the job she said that she would have gotten paid more to do. <laughs> Penelope has to be like, you know, she has to be the person that's uh, handling our books. Analytics, maybe? Yeah, she could be our analytics person, definitely, yeah. James has done some very good recontextualization things of things. Listen, vegan tattoos, I saw the other day, I actually should have said this, one of the fastest growing businesses in America. Very behind CBD and uh, vaping, but, you know, one of the fastest businesses. Also, empanadas, very high on the list. (laughs) Empanadas? Isn't that like Schneider's Empanada is, according to Ad Age, I want to say is the second or third fastest growing small business in America. Isn't that Schneider's mother's business? Yes. Right? She's the empanada lady. I like arepas. Same. No, she does arepas. What did she do? She's the arepa lady. She's the arepa lady. Oh, that place is great. Didn't Didn't they close down though? Like the cart closed or the store closed down, but the cart's still around, right? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, COVID. That stinks. I think James Spooner would also be like if we were like a hip startup and we had like the chief storytelling officer, like I feel like he'd be that guy, like our content guy. (laughs) I think there's a lot, a lot of the more creative people, I think they could be moved around to a lot of different things. All right. I got a job, even though he's capable of more for Chris. Receptionist, just because it'd be hilarious. But everybody that called, you'd be having some some yeah. podcast conversation about their lives. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like the funniest thing of all time. <laughs> all right, I think that's all a good right, I think place that's, to a, stop. that's a great ending. Yeah. Okay. That's it, kids. The gig is up. The cops are here, and your mom is calling jails, hospitals, and all your friends' houses, wondering where you've been. Tune in next week for another fascinating, mesmerizing, and absolutely unmissable episode. And be sure to get on the list and follow the boys on social media at Killed by Desk. This podcast is produced by Jesse Cannon. And if you enjoyed this conversation, there's tons more where this came from. For only $5 a month, you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month. Want to help us out with some gas money and to get us to the next show? We have merch and more at KilledByDesk.com.